Welcome to Blue Talks. Did you know that suicide is the second cause of death of teens? Let that just resonate for a minute. These are our babies. These are children who've hardly had a chance to live in life, and they're already taking their own lives. Well, you might say, oh, well, that doesn't impact me because, you know, I, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't happen in my family. And I'm sure that some of those families who lost children to suicide would have said the same thing, that they would never have thought it was going to be their child. It's heartbreaking, and it's, it's hard to talk about, even when you're prepared to speak. It's hard to be able to share that because I work with these kids every day, and I see the passion, and I see the enthusiasm, but I also see the heartbreak. And we need to be able to do something together as a community to be able to stop this from happening. But let me tell you, let me take you on a little journey. So before we get started on the little journey, I want you to imagine or pretend just for a moment that you have a tiny little kettle in your body, and it's your emotional kettle. And for the majority of time, it's kind of just hanging out there. It might be simmering a bit, but it's not doing anything out of the ordinary. But I want some participation right now, active participation. So tell me, how many of you have had a really awful day ever? Something showing up where they're, look at that, right? An awful day. And the question is, how do you respond to it? So let me take you on this journey. You're a parent out there, and you've just hit the snooze button two or three times. And you finally roll over, and you look at the time, and you say, oh my god, it's late. Oh my god, we've got to get things rolling. So you're putting on your clothes, and you're getting yourself organized, and you're thinking, holy shit. I was supposed to get gas in my car last night, and I forgot. I don't have enough gas to get to the corner, let alone get to work. <clears throat> then you're hustling into your kid's room, and you know that teenagers don't get up, don't, uh, do not work at the speed of light like we think they should, particularly if we want them to do something. So you get them hustling and so on, and then they hear this yelling at them, you're not wearing that, are you? And then they're, you know, doing what they need to do. They're trying to get themselves organized and so on. And chances are great that they were on social media during the night. Or chances are great that they were doing, uh, playing games or so on. So they probably haven't had very much sleep. So they're doing their best. And then they hear this another voice from someplace in the kitchen saying, Come and eat breakfast, because you know breakfast is the best part of the day for you, right? And you get this wah, 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 wah. <clears throat> and they're hustling into the kitchen, and they're grabbing their backpack, and they're doing what they need to do, and they're stuffing stuff in their face, 
Oh, and they forgot to get you to sign a field trip form that, you know, they're leaving today. And that gets signed, and you're hustling to get them a lunch or something. You're trying to make sure that they're okay. And they're grabbing their backpack. They pull on their hoodie, and they're on their way out the door. And you say, because you've been doing lots of yelling, and it's not been a, a pleasant morning, and it's been pretty frantic. And you say, just on the way out the door, you know what? Let's talk about that when we get home tonight. That goes on. Your kid finally gets onto the bus because they were able to hustle down the road to get on the bus. They get on the bus, and all the kids are sitting in their seats quietly. Not happening. There's lots of stuff, chaos going on. The kids are chatting in the back, and oh, there's hats flying, and all kinds of stupid things that your kid doesn't normally get engaged with on the bus. But today, because of what was happening when they got up in the morning, <coughs> some lunch kit launches through the air, and don't you know it, your kid gets hit with that lunch kit. They toss it someplace, and they say some unsavory, rude, crude, and socially unacceptable things back to the kids at the back of the bus. And as they turn around to sit there, they notice that the bus driver has just eyed them. And there that goes. There's going to be a note going to the office when they arrive at school. Kids get off the bus. They are walking down the hallway. And as you know, in most junior highs and high schools, the, the uh, hallways are crammed with people, and they get pushed and shoved on their way to their locker. They get to class, and as they're walking to class, they usually hear the vice principal and maybe some other teacher saying, come on, everybody, let's get to class. You need to be there. You need to be there. And this one day, this, your child gets to their classroom and recognizes that the tables and chairs have been moved around and stuff has changed in the classroom. And that can be typical for most classes. The teachers need to rearrange things. They need to have stuff happening. They might want to shift groups and so on. But in this particular moment, it's not going very well for your child. The teacher is trying to get the kids organized in class and saying, you know, don't forget you got this assignment happening. Hand in your homework. There's a project due. Tests are at the end of the month. So there's all this stuff going on. Meanwhile, your kid ends up finding their seat beside someone who is brutal to them someone who natters at them, someone who teases them, and it's all just under the radar, just loud enough for your kid to hear it and no one else. You get the picture. That's typically about bullying, right? There's the start of that. Because of what had happened in the morning, all that stuff that was going on created a fuss for your kid that was un unacceptable but unmanageable at the same time. And don't we have this fight happening in the classroom? Teacher doesn't know anything about it. She's helping some students organize. Kids are sitting down. They're doing everything that they need to do. Over goes the table and chair, and out goes your kid. We're not quite sure whether the other one got kicked out either, but yours is going to the office. In the meantime, you're doing your own things to get going. So you're collecting yourself and so on, and then finally you look down and you realize that the dog still needs to go out. So you go do that. 
you get in your car, you're getting to work late. <coughs> I'll leave the story about the student just for a moment. So you're getting to work late. You don't have a chance to have your beverage of choice or sit and chat with your colleagues or so on. You had a plan in place that you are going to meet your colleague for work, to get to work early this morning because the two of you are working on a presentation that's due this afternoon. And this is a big board meeting thing, so there's lots that needs to be done. <clears throat> in the meantime, you get a call from the school principal saying that your child has just been suspended from school for three days for fighting. You're not quite sure what to do with yourself at that moment in time because here you have this project due. You see your colleague coming down the hallway. You're getting off the phone. You decide that you're going to call a friend who's going to take care of that because your child is old enough to be able to stay at home on their own. You continue so that your colleague comes in. You're having a conversation with your colleague about the report. And your colleague indicates to you that there's a piece of the report that's missing. Well, don't you get ballistic, right? Because here's all this stuff that's been going on in your day. You recognize it right away. You reflect on it for a moment. You take a breath and you apologize. And you say, look, I'm really sorry. I know that I wanted to get in early this morning. I wanted to be able to help with what we need to do for our presentation this afternoon. I just got off the phone with my child's uh, principal. My child has been suspended for three days. So I just need to gather myself and settle down so that we can get going. And I recognize as well that part of the, the uh, report that we are putting together happens to still be on my computer because I wanted to do some last minute things to be able to give that to you this morning. That's all fine and good. Meanwhile, the student is at home. <clears throat> your day goes on, you get to the presentation in the afternoon, you've got all the stuff ready to go, you get, you and your colleagues are doing their thing, naturally we still have people on Zoom because that's the way of the world at the moment, you get it all organized, you start the presentation and down goes the internet. Well, lucky for you though, even in that, in that moment, you have that maturity piece to be able to say, okay, what else can we do? You gather around, you get on a conference call, and you get your presentation done. The rest of the day continues. You get into your car, and you're ready to come home because now you do have gas in your car. And you happen to be listening to the radio, and on comes Pink, and she's singing that song, I've had a shitty day, you've had a shitty day. And you have a really good laugh about it. You get home, and you're you open the door, you get greeted by the dog who's jumping all over you, but there's this deafening silence. You walk into the bedroom, or you walk into the living room, and you see your child sprawled out on the couch with a pillow over their face. Now, you know full well that you've had a really awful day at work. Stuff has happened but you've been able to manage it and you've been able to do the things that you can do in order to reflect on how you show up, how you respond to things and what it is that you can do. However, your child doesn't have those same skills. And so when you go in and you sit down, you can reflect at that time that you said to them, let's talk about it when we get home so that we can do things differently, so that we can have 
mornings work a little bit differently and that everyone can contribute to the conversation and making things work. <clears throat> so you begin to have conversation with them. You have a little laugh about how terrible it was. But you as the parent are also saying, I get that this must have been a really frantic day for you. So here we are in this situation. The parent then says, so tell me what happened. Tell me what happened today that got you into this place. There's the shift of the difference between asking that kind of question or saying, what did you do this time? So I want you to reflect back to the beginning of the story when the parent said, let's talk about it. Okay, I gave you a good news story here because they settled it out in the end. Your child was able to tell you about what happened in the day. They felt like they were being bullied. They got hit in the head in the morning. They, the bus driver wrote them up. They were in the principal's office. So here's a couple of other things that I didn't tell you. When, even when they got, they didn't get a chance to get to their practice. They typically, because they're a good athlete, they didn't get a chance to get there because they were already suspended. They had to end up in the, the principal's office. You didn't know anything about the bullying that was going on because your kid was holding it in and trying to work it out themselves. What we don't recognize when we don't have conversation and we don't ask the question about what happened, we get that the thoughts and the ideas are all over here with us, rather than inquiring, rather than being curiously engaged about what's really happening with our child. In that scenario I gave you, I made it so that it was going to be a pretty picture, but that's not what happens. That's not what we see. When I visit with students or when we're walking and talking in the hallway or I'm sitting on the floor with them eating yogurt or whatever food item that we can find because it's worthy of conversation and eating at the same time, because it really truly is one of my favorite things to do, but it usually is a time where kids can settle. They've got something else that they can do. We're sitting on the floor, they're in my office or so on. And they're saying things to me like, my parents don't get me. They don't understand me. All we do is yell. I don't know, they, I, don't think they un, I don't think they even know who I am. And they always only ask the same questions. <clears throat> then I get parents who come in and they say to me, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kid. I don't know that we connect. All we do is yell. I don't even know who they are anymore. And that goes on. Do you see the story is the same, but they're just not talking with each other. There's a huge chasm between where the parents are and where their teenagers are. And what I want to do and have communities be able to do it is bridge that, that chasm so that we have the opportunity to get these kids doing wonderful things and moving forward and being resilient and being able to do what they want to do and move forward in their lives. But we have the statistic that I gave you because it's being ever more present. Kids don't have the skills. 
They don't have the experience. They don't have the strategies. We have kids as young as eight and nine years old who have taken their lives. And that's in the recent past. That's in Canada and the United States. You know, even with that student who, the unfortunate tragedy in Texas and others before them, I want to know what made that kid do that. And we don't take the time to do that. He's already committed to some offensive place where he's supposed to manage to do it on his own. The same thing as what happens when we send kids to juvenile detention and we send them off to places. Or we get mad at them and we send them to their room. That's not the place for them to be. How are they going to figure it out on their own in their room? They couldn't figure it out to begin with. So we want to be able to have those courageous conversations. Ask different questions. Engage in what's going on for them. And don't think that you have all the answers because you don't need them all. You need to be able to ask them what they're thinking. You need to be able to ask them how they feel and what's going on for them so that then there's a place for you to get started in a new and different conversation. That old adage that you might have heard, raising a child takes a village. Well, that village needs to start with family. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.